Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. We are heading into the free agency period, just a little bit to go. And I think one of the things that we're hearing is that this could be the week that we could start to see some really big cuts, whether it's from other teams, whether it maybe even from the Seahawks. But we've started to see it already. Some some teams making cuts, especially with the salary cap and joining me to talk about kind of a free agency primer and talk about some of the latest Seahawks news is John P. Gilbert from Field Goals. John, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me this evening. It, we're, we're getting to the start of free agency. That's exciting. It, uh, it kind of gets us through, gets us past this period in, in February that has just, it, it would drag on anyway, but because of the Russell Wilson stuff, because of, <laughs> I, 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 it's just been more unbearable, I think, than I, I would have expected it to be. No, absolutely agree. You know, it's like I, you know, there's obviously some sort of rift. Russell's not happy, whatever. That's great. You have a contract. We'll see you in July, um, <laughs> you know, is is kind of my thinking on it. You know, I, I would be absolutely shocked if he is traded. Could they do it? Yes. Uh, but I would be quite surprised. That said, you know, we should be talking about the combine. We should be watching guys in tights run 40 yard dashes right now. We should not be talking about whether the greatest quarterback in franchise history is going to be traded to the Chicago bears or not. So very happy, very happy to have free agency to discuss. (laughs) The thing that blows me away though, John is just how quickly people are ready to move on from Russ at just the, at just the hint that he may be unhappy with the team. It's, Oh, that's it. Blow it up. Let's it's time to move on. There's there's a rift growing between Pete and Russ. It's just it may as well let him go. Get what you can. I you know, for me, I think I have to see what unhappy Russ does behind center for, I don't know, a season before I'm ready to move on. No, and you know, I I mean, look, Russ and Pete can hate each other for all I care. Um, you know what? He's the best quarterback in franchise history. Pete's probably the best coach in franchise history. You know what? You two hate each other. I've had a lot of coworkers I did not get along with. I've had coworkers I hated. You know what? You deal with it and you do your job to the best of your ability. So, you know, I'm not really looking forward to a 90s quarterback situation out there for the Seahawks. I think you lived through that, enjoyed that. Um, if we can put it that way. Um, those were, those are my Cowboys fan years, John. I don't want to, I don't want to get into it, <laughs> you know, but it's uh look, if, if Russ moves on, they move on, you know, it's not the end of the world for us as fans, but it, it's just mind blowing to see that. Oh, okay. You know, he's upset. All right. It's time for him to find time for the team to make a change. Like, excuse me, what? <laughs> like, That's right. And, and really, if there's one thing that the athletic article tells us is that if there was some kind of rift that started after, you know, or around the Arizona game when Russ stormed out of the, the meeting room. So if that half of the season was him upset and they still went six and two in the second half of the season with him playing, you know, some of his worst football, then then, yeah, I think I can live with the, seeing what that brings us in this next season. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's too bad you're unhappy, Russ. It's too bad that Russ, you know, and Pete aren't getting along. But, you know, bring me 12 and 4 any day. I mean, I'm going to enjoy the games, whether they're, you know, whether they're 12 and 4 and 4 and 12. Obviously, it's more enjoyable to go to the postseason to be 12 and 4. And that's why I want Pete. You know, I think Pete and Russ will stick around and, you know, they'll I think they'll figure something out. But it's, you know, it is amazing to see, just like you said, how quick some people are like, oh, okay, he's unhappy. Well, move on time to move on we, we everybody yep. has to be happy for this to work yeah 
Well, this is a big time of year, John, for salary cap nation and going into free agency with the Seahawks having very little cap space. It's kind of difficult. We, we start to see people trying to make some decisions as to who the Seahawks should cut to make salary cap space. Obviously, there's some potential for extensions as well. And one of the questions that I've, I've gotten, we had it uh, just the other day in our locker room live chat was this idea of, hey, how come when I go to such and such website, it says the Seahawks have $5 million in cap space. But when I hear John Clayton, he says a different number. And then when I look at John Gilbert's article on field goals, it says they have about 8,000. Why the different numbers? It's just going to be a matter of what someone is counting in. Um, when I'm looking, when I do my cap space calculations, if I'm doing an article on field goals, what I'm going to do is I'm not just going to look at the players on the roster because you can go to overthecap.com. If you go to over the cap, you pull up the Seahawks page, it's going to say they have four and a half million dollars in cap space for 2021. Um, that is with just 48 players under contract, though. So obviously you have to build that that roster to 51. And that is also without the restricted free agents. So no Puna Ford tender in there. Um, that's also without any of the exclusive rights free agents being tendered. So no Kyle Fuller coming back, no Ryan Neal coming back in that consideration. So once you get all of those guys, if you assume that they're going to tender all of the exclusive rights free agents, and you assume that they're going to extend a second round tender to Puna Ford, that's where my you know $7,000 estimate comes in. That's obviously not scientific. That's not official. There's no place, you know, if you look at the NFL official cap numbers, it's going to have a number that's closer to the four and a half million because they're not going to have the tenders calculated in. But mine is based more on the projection of the players who will be on the roster, mm. assuming that they do make those tenders because those tenders have to be made before March 17th. Right now, there's a little wiggle room because even over the cap, you know, they're extremely accurate. They're going to get you in the ballpark, but they're usually going to be off um, on any given team at any given time of the year by a half a million or a million dollars because there's going to be incentives that aren't in there or that should be in there or, you know, certain things aren't. It's not 100% perfectly accurate. Yeah, I, I know it can add some confusion and especially when it does seem like there's such a slim amount at this point in time and going into free agency. I, I know I see I referenced salary cap nation before and really that group of people, it's because they want to be able to spend the most money to try and get the best talent to the Seahawks as possible. So it is important to have that space, but it's also important to keep some of your guys on the team, especially if you're talking about what guys you could get rid of and then ultimately have to fill behind. Because one of the things that we've seen, John, in these past couple of weeks, we've seen the reports. I think Brady Henderson was the one who had the report that Carlos Dunlap could potentially be cut. And I know when a lot of fans saw that, they were thinking, oh, well, you know, on one hand, that's great because that's $15 million that you could uh, open up for free agency spending. But then you're getting rid of one of the players that helped fill just one of the biggest holes. We saw J.J. Watt get a big deal from the Cardinals. And I kind of looked at that and I thought, OK, well, if Watt's getting that, you know, is that something that Carlos Dunlap seeing and saying, OK, well, I'm not going to be able to get any more than a Watt type deal. How is that going to factor into his decision making? So I, I feel like we're trending toward good news. I'm going to be happy if Dunlap gets extended. No, and I am in the exact same boat, uh, you know, and in a Dunlap extension, depending on how aggressive they want to get, you know, I don't think they're going to go full Saints or Eagles and, you know, max out borrowing from future cap seasons. 
but I could easily see them creating, you know, six, eight, ten million dollars in cap space on a Dunlap extension because of the way it's set up, because of the way they inherited that contract through trades and the renegotiation that came through when they had the the Finney for Dunlap swap with Cincinnati last fall. You know, they could create a significant amount of space there. And then you've got other guys who, you know, even you take a restricted free agent like Puna Ford they have the potential to instead of giving him the you know just the second round tender they could sit down and work out an extension that comes up that pays him you know it's got a smaller cap hit this year so but have maybe has more guaranteed next year and i mean he seems like a player you definitely want to keep around so can you if you can keep him around on a reasonable contract that has a lower cap hit now maybe some you know borrows a little bit more from the cap in the future when you know after those new tv deals are signed and in 2022 and 2023, when the, the cap either rebounds or goes up significantly, then, you know, that's the kind of thing that you do in order to buy an extra couple, two or three million this season on on some of your players. And that's, you know, I think there's a lot of the names that can be that that can be done with and that, you know, most fans expect that to be done with, whether it's Adams or, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett or Dunlap or maybe even, you know, Jerron Reed. I think I think we'll start to see. We'll probably get a couple of dominoes that go down here in the spring. And then I think in come training camp is when we'll get some more. I'm kind of curious about the Russell Wilson one, because with what Joel Corey was saying out on Twitter was that the Seahawks have that ability to automatically to restructure his deal. Is that something that we would necessarily hear about if they did? Because that would just... If they came out and did that, that would blow up the whole idea of Russell Wilson potentially going anywhere because, gosh, if you restructure his contract here and now he's making under 12 percent of the cap going into 2021, it solves some of the questions in terms of, you know, the people saying that you can't make a a Super Bowl run with your quarterback making more than 13 percent of the cap. It kind of recommits the Seahawks to Russell Wilson in a way. Is that something that we'd hear about? Would we have to hear about it right away? We wouldn't necessarily have to hear about it, but it's one of those things where they would have to submit that paperwork to the league. Someone in the league would leak that to one of the reporters and the reporter would report on it, um, you know, would make note of it. That's exactly what the the Seahawks did uh, on the urge of the 2017 season when they traded for Sheldon Richardson. They converted uh, base salary to signing bonus to make cap room to fit Richardson in. And then again, when they traded for Dwayne Brown, they, they did it with Doug Baldwin. Right. And it's, you know, they the the automatic conversion. And that's one thing that they you know, the Seahawks are not known as a cutthroat organization. They're going to be fair that, you know, the business is business. They do their business and they're not going to, you know, but they're they're not going to dump your body in the back alley somewhere and just kind of shovel some dirt on you. But they you know, it's one of the things that with that automatic conversion. Right. That's one of the things that they could use if they wanted to, you know, with a player like Dunlap or like Lockett. Uh, or, you know, even Bobby Wagner or someone, if they need cap space and they want it for free agency, that's standard practice for Seattle in their contracts. And they don't need permission from the player to do make that conversion. Just like with Wilson, it's the same thing with Lockett. Same thing, you know, is my understanding because it doesn't change anything for the player. The player still gets their money exactly the same. It's just an accounting change. Right. And so it like, for example, say they don't say they get to the point where they're on the brink of free agency. They don't have the cap space they need because they've made the tenders to Puna Ford and to the exclusive rights free agents. And they have players that they want to sign, but they need the cap space. If they they could do that with 
you know, with Wilson or with Lockett or, you know, even Dwayne Brown or somebody at with void years. They don't even have to be real years on the back of a contract. I mean, if they took it right now and they converted it, the maximum amount of Dwayne Brown's salary from base salary to signing bonus, they could literally create $7 million and change in a matter of minutes just by filing paperwork with the league by creating four void years on the back of a contract. So it's not, you know, they're not in dire straits. That's not a strategy that they've used in the past. But I could see them doing it for a situation like a Lockett or a Dunlap. If it's a player that they think that they're going to extend anyway, then you add a void year for 2022. You split the base salary in half. You turn it to signing bonus. Half comes on the cap this year. Basically, half goes on the cap next year outside of the minimum salary, base salary that they get. The player still gets all their money this year. The team frees up four or five million in cap space in a matter of minutes. Then all of a sudden, it's not quite the same urgency to create that cap space or come up with that uh, extension as there might be with free agency right on the horizon. In short, the salary cap is magic. It just depends (laughs) on how much magic you want to put into it. The cap is static for any given season, but teams can borrow tens of millions of dollars from future seasons at, at any given time. It's just a matter of the te- any how willing is a team to do that. Teams like the Eagles and Saints, we see the messes that they're trying to clean up because they've been doing that for years. Right. A- and the cap, you know, the cap stops going up and then boom, that's it, you know? And those are a couple teams that we're starting to see having to make some critical decisions. They're having to let some players go. We've seen Houston have to make some big cuts. You know, they let JJ Watt go, they let their center go. In fact, they just signed Justin Britt in to to come on as center for the Houston Texans. So that's that's one team that's been making some moves so far. No, absolutely. And I mean, it. you know, we've seen some other teams out there. The Raiders uh, are expected to release both of their starting guards and they're shopping their starting right tackle. So, you know, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of high price guard talent that is is hitting the market or is expected to hit the market. Trey Turner is another one, um, you know, just in the just in the past few days, we've seen a lot of big name uh, interior offensive linemen, which could be very good for the Seahawks, who are likely to be in the market for a center and a left guard. Well, John, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and I want to hit on some of those names with you, get an idea of, of where the Seahawks should be looking. Maybe some of the names that are out there right now, some of the names that could be based on rumors. We'll talk about that coming up next. Talking to John P. Gilbert of Field Goals, and we're getting closer to free agency. And you mentioned before the break, John, some of the cuts that could potentially be coming. Yes, with some of those names, I know there's there's teams that want to make the calls because if ultimately they're going to have to cut them, if they're able to, gosh, if they're able to get a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick, they're going to try and do some of that. And there may be some teams willing to take on some of those salaries, depending on the talent of the player. Trey Turner is one for me. Well, I, I think he actually plays right guard anyway, but I know that there are some people saying, oh, well, there's a guard that uh, Seattle could potentially go out and get a former pro bowler. Where are you looking at in terms of of what you think that the the main priorities for Seattle are here coming into this next week and a half? 
I mean, the defense, I think they'll look for any value they can find in defense. You know, I think that I think there will be on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're set pretty much at a lot in a lot of the positions. I mean, linebacker, you've got Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks and a couple other depth guys. You've got uh, in the secondary. You've obviously got Quandre Diggs. You know, you've got Jamal Adams. You've got DJ Reed. Um, so you've got three of the four spots. You've got some competition at the nickel with Ugo. And then we'll see what happens with Marquise Blair. So I think my guess is they'll sign some kind of, you know, not low. I don't want to say low budget, but, you know, some kind of veteran cornerback that they can add to the mix. Let him go up against Trey Flowers in competition in camp and see what happens, see how it shakes out. Um, On the defensive line, I know fans want to add, would love to add somebody. But when you look at it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they didn't sign any outside free agents there. Maybe they bring back Vincent Mayawa. Maybe they bring back Bruce Irvin, you know, on inexpensive contracts. But it, re- it really feels like the defensive line is a group of a, there's a lot of very, you know, a whole lot of upside potential and a lot of young talent on the line. And I feel like the defensive side of the ball, I don't think we're going to see any big flash signings. I think if we do see anything that's flashy or anything that's big we're going to get some moves you know on the offensive side where i would not be surprised at all to see a third wide receiver added i wouldn't be surprised at all to see a big name tight end brought in i don't think we're going to get the top tier offensive lineman um you know like a lot of fans were probably hoping for uh, either at left guard or at center i think they'll pinpoint the type of player they look for that player that they've added in free agency in the past, like a Brandon Shell or an Ode Abushi or a BJ Finney, whoever it is that's, you know, at that point where they've played enough where they may be at the inflection point, like Brandon Shell was. I I have, you know, I'm completely happy to be to have been completely wrong about how Brandon Shell would perform for the Seahawks on the field. Uh, I did not expect him to be anywhere near as good as he was this season. And, you know, I think that's the type of player that they're going to look for. Someone who's played maybe 1,500, 2,000 snaps, someone who meets their physical criteria. And, of course, we have to figure out what are the physical criteria going forward with the new offensive system and a new offensive coordinator, you know, and all that. But it's, I think we might get a big, expensive tight end, maybe mm. a, a decent a decent third wide receiver. And look. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the big names are out there. There's Gerald Everett, you know, coming over from the Rams, which would make some sense. You know, there's some other Hunter Henry, if you want to go there. I just, if we want to get into specifics, it's, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of names out there. The question is, you know, who can they afford? Who do they feel is going to best fit their system? Gerald Everett obviously played for new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron there in Los Angeles knows the system could teach it to his teammates during the off season when there's limited contact between coaches and players. So that might be something that could be of, you know, impact. Same thing goes, you know, on the offensive line at center when we've been talking about potentially Austin Blythe coming in and taking over at center for Ethan Posick, um, you know, but it'll just be one of those things where I think that's the type of player we could get not the top tier all pro like a lot of fans want. Yeah, I know people wanted Jack Conklin last year. Well, we got Brandon Shell. So, you know, um, I think I think it's going to be the same kind of not necessarily bargain shopping in a bad way, negative connotation. But I think the Seahawks will sit out the first wave of free agency and then pinpoint who they want to go after for specific reasons. After watching them go heavy on tight end in terms of spending and then not so heavy on the offensive line and... We saw the story this past week with B.J. Finney 
how he reported out of shape. Yes, they were able to turn him around, able to get Carlos Dunlap, but Finney's now back on the free agent market because the Bengals let him go. I'm curious, it was just with the way that the offseason went last year, I am concerned about some of the, the mid-level type players. I feel like the good thing is that if you go out and you get that proven talent that you you don't have any of those questions that surround whether or not they come to the new team out of shape. I think last season was obviously extremely unique in the fact that, the, you know, with the team facilities completely shut down, nobody allowed into the facilities, no physicals allowed. And, then, you know, now we find out on Friday from Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN that the the Seahawks weren't even using outside physicians to do their physicals. They just said, wait till training camp and don't get hurt between now and then. Mm. Um, it, it's obviously, you know, you, you take someone like a Dwayne Brown or someone who's a professional, obviously they didn't sign him as a free agent, but you take someone like that or a Mike Upati and you, who knows what they are doing. They've been in the league for a long time. You're going to come in and you're going to get that professional attitude. They're going to work. They're going to do their job. They're, you know, they're not some 23 year old kid who's got a, hold, you know, a wallet full of cash for the first time in their life. And they're not running around, you know, be, you know, being stupid. They know it's their job and they need to do what they need to do. You know, whereas that may not be the case with some of the offensive lines that they've tried to put together in the past. I mean, like, you know, 2016, 2017, when they had the youngest offensive line in the NFL by a distance, basically, you know, the complete opposite of the experience that they've been putting on the field the last couple seasons. That said, the Finney story does make me question you know, because he's not the only new acquisition, not just free agency, but draft as well, who came into the team and was out of shape. You know, it's not it's not the first time we've heard that story. And it just seems like perhaps it goes beyond the idea that, you know, just the the pandemic, maybe there was something else, some kind of disconnect. You know, I'm not saying there is, I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying it makes me wonder about whether, you know, when these players are acquired, the Seahawks are saying, okay, you know, take care, enjoy yourself, enjoy your off season, come in ready to work in, you know, July at training camp. Um, you know, don't get hurt in the meantime. If there's something, you know, if somehow that message is being conveyed in a manner that other than how they would desire it to be conveyed to the players, you know, and again, I'm not saying that there is, I'm just saying it does make me question because it's, your player shows up to camp out of shape is not the first time we've heard that story. Yeah. And you just, you don't want to be that team that continues to repeat mistakes from previous years. Definitely not a good way to operate uh, again, going into an off season where there's a lot of those question marks too. One of the things that you know, we, we've been talking a little bit about salary cap, John, and one of the things that stands out to me is that the only player that's really been cut so far is Chance Warmack, and he was one that went on the COVID exemption list to start the season. He was a guy that they projected who could compete at the guard spot. So with Mike Upati retiring and with Warmack being let go, that that's kind of weird to me. But I'm also wondering if there are just any other cuts, surprise cuts that could be coming this week. Do you have any names in in your mind who you could who maybe you wouldn't necessarily be surprised by, but would be a name that fans would be surprised by. There could be a cut, but I think if there is a surprise, it would be one of those situations where it seems like every year, maybe there's one or two of their exclusive rights free agents that they don't tender mm. uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, I think obviously based on what the players have shown on the field, I mean, there's not a 
whole ton of the, you know, of those exclusive rights free agents they've got this year. I certainly think that, you know, Ryan Neal has, you know, I think he did more than enough on the field to justify, you know, the tender. And I don't think, you know, but you look at some of the other names and, you you know, we look at a Jason Stanley or, you know, I mentioned Kyle Fuller earlier, and obviously he would be the only center you know, that has any experience right. who could potentially be under contract for the team. But at the same time, he is, if he doesn't meet the physical needs or what the, you know, what the system that Waldron is going to bring in, it's hard to, I mean, I know you're looking for a surprise cut, but it's just. Uh, I'll throw one out. I'll throw one out to you and let me know what you think. The one guy that I do think could be a surprise cut would be Quandre Diggs. And it is because they have a second round pick, Marquise Blair. Yes, there's some questions about whether, you know, how he rebounds from injury. It's a $6 million cap saving, roughly. You also have Ugo Amadi on the team who has some experience at the position, too. And so that's that's a name that I it wouldn't necessarily shock me, but I think it would kind of blow fans away if that happened. No, and I, I would be, I would absolutely be shocked by that. And uh, simply because of the fact that it feels like they looked for so long for a safety replacement for Earl Thomas. Uh, I mean, not necessarily so long, but they, you know, they, they, for a long time, they tried to make Tedrick, Tedrick Thompson work. They tried yeah. to make, they, they tried to make Leno work. And they, it just, it feels like with that, you know, Things shifted overnight when he showed up from Detroit. Right. I mean, it was when he came back from that hamstring injury after in 2019, after he was acquired, it was night and day with the defense. And it feels like the team is the the front office and the team during the off season that they tend to overreact to or overprotect at certain positions to injury. I mean, when, you know, when, or, or change at a position when Marshawn Lynch retired, they went out and they drafted three running backs the next year mm-hmm. when they, you know, a couple of years ago, when they, after Doug, when they knew Doug Baldwin was retiring, you know, ahead of time, apparently, but they didn't, you know, word didn't leak out. Then, you know, they drafted three wide receivers and similarly, when Chris Carson got hurt, you know, the next year, they they went out and they got, you know, they drafted Rashad Penny and they brought Carson back and they added other names to the, you know, to the stable. And I just I have a hard time seeing them go into training camp without digs on the roster. Yeah, it's the only name that I could really come up with that would realize any kind of savings where I could maybe make a case for it. But so many of those other names, I mean, we, we talked about Dunlap, you know, you hear Lockett brought up, but he makes an extension or gosh, if you absolutely had to, you could trade him rather than cut him. So absolutely, you know, outright cutting a, a guy like him wouldn't make any sense. Even Jaron Reed, I don't know if you would outright cut him. Maybe just because is a team going to to trade for that? I, I think with the fact that he had six and a half sacks, he had two in the playoffs. I feel like you could at least get something for him if you don't see him in your long-term plan. So, and, and you could probably even find a team to take digs on with that salary and get something too. So it is really tough to say outright cut a guy when so many of those pieces you see having value in terms of trade value too. No, and, and you know, I know there's been some talk too that, you know, trade value could be diminished because you're looking at half the, you know, half the teams in the NFL are trying right. to unload uh, you know, talent, but yeah, they, they could just say, I'll wait until there's a free agent out there or exactly. And, and maybe you know, with some of those guys I mentioned too, 
could you even make that case of, and I think that's what people are trying to do with Carlos Dunlap and saying that, well, there's so many pass rushers out there, release Dunlap. If he doesn't come back at a lower salary, then you have a pick of all these other pass rushers out there. I don't think that that's a good move with Dunlap necessarily, but with any of those other guys, could you maybe make that case? It's one of those things where, yeah, you can make, I mean, you can make that case with anyone. Um, basically, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how many you're introducing unnecessary risk, essentially. It, exactly. It seems to me. How much, how much, you know, how much, how much Russian roulette do you really want to play? You yeah. know, I mean, it's cause I've heard the same thing. You're like, Oh, you know, fans are like, Oh, we can't keep Lockett at a $14.95 million cap hit. It's like, great. Who's going to replace him? I mean, Dorsett spent the whole season on IR. Everybody hates David Moore for whatever reason, because you know, he's still young and developing, even though he's one of the most successful seventh round draft receivers under the current CBA with, or the previous CBA, I guess now, um, with the, you know, the practice time limitations, I think, I think when we get to camp roster cuts at the end of August are when we're going to get the surprise cuts mm. that, that could shock a lot of people. Um, because I think at that point, I think teams will, they'll be more comfortable. They'll have more ability to, because they will have already come into compliance with the cap. I think a lot of teams at that point will be looking to, someone like a Trey Flowers or someone who like, like a Rashad Penny, if, you know, if they go out and they bring in two or three more running backs to add to the stable and all of a sudden Penny's your third or fourth round running back and you can put him on waivers and save a million and a half dollars, then it's maybe you do that. You know, I'm not saying that's what I expect to happen. I hope he comes back from his knee injury. I hope he's fantastic. And he runs for 2000 yards and 29 touchdowns and sets an NFL record. And, you know, as he's spiking the ball, he's like, suck on that, John P. Gilbert and all your hate, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's it's a name like that is, I think, what would be, you know, would surprise some people. How about some of these names that are out there right now? They have an opportunity to bring them in ahead of free agency. You know, guys like Golden Tate's out there now. You got Desmond Trufant. And of, of course, you see that name Trufant. You want to bring him back to the Seattle area. Nick Martin, who was released by Houston, that's another option at center. Um, are, are there any names that you really have your eye on? There are so many names out there right now, and they're getting added to, you know, by the day. I mean, obviously, there's there's so many that we, you know, that are familiar that are, you know, big names. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, guys who Gabe Jackson, you know, because just because we're on the interior offensive line list, I mean, cut by the Raiders is a fantastic guard. Obviously, he's typically played right guard, but I believe he's played some left guard as well during his career. A, a name like that, or I could absolutely see the team bringing in someone, you know, like a, like a Mark Ingram or a Duke Johnson, uh, kind of a, in a similar vein to what they did with Carlos Hyde this past season, mm -hmm. you know, where they're, they're waiting to see, bring in some competition there. Third wide receiver is really where I'm, you know, I, I want to see what they do. As much as I would love to see them bring in, bring back someone like David Moore, or someone like Josh Reynolds, who's on the younger side, my fear is that they may go somewhere, you know, like a Deshaun Jackson or something. And, you know, if, because if they could get a Deshaun Jackson cheap, then I feel like it could be one of those situations where it's a name that, you know, Pete and John have known for a long time. He's a big name guy. He's an explosive guy, brings a whole lot to the field, but how much is really left in the tank and are we putting ourselves into another Greg Olson situation? So I feel like with all the commentary that we've heard surrounding Russ, though, if they don't spend money on the offensive line, 
that those questions are just going to continue to linger until we hear from Russ. And, and yeah, you know, Gabe Jackson's one of those names and you go back and his first two years with the Raiders, he was playing left guard. So that could make some sense. It, it just seems like you would have to spend some money. If you're going to spend the money, have it be on the offensive line. It would just be so out of character for the Seahawks. And I feel like, I mean, they could absolutely do it. I mean, you know, but they could shock everybody like they did in 2017 with the Luke Jokel signing. But it just doesn't feel, you know, it feels... That was it would spending feel money so for the of... sake of spending money. I, I don't want them doing that. <laughs> and, you know, but that, you know, it just it just feels like it's a situation where they're they're kind of pinned in. Because if they... Uh, if they don't spend money, then it's like, oh, they hate Russ and they're trying to kill him and push him out of town. This is his last season. Right. And if they and if they do spend money, it's like, oh, see, they did think they did business one way for 11 years. Russ put his foot down and they completely changed. Russ runs the franchise. <laughs> and so at this point, it's almost it almost feels like it's a no win for the front office and the coaching staff or Pete and staff, you know, just because of that whole dynamic <laughs> right. that's going on there. You know, if if I'm going to err, I'm always going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to just assume that they're going to continue to do business the way they've done business for the last 11 years that they're going to pinpoint their, you know, who they look for now, exactly what kind of qualities they look for. I'm not certain. Obviously we've got some uncertainty about that this year. You know, my mind will be blown if they do go out and sign one of the big name guards or the big name, a big name free agent center. You know, I could see them going after, you know, an Alex Mack who is is about, will be 36 this fall or something like that. But it's, you know, I just don't think, uh, I don't think we're going to get a big expensive guard or a big expensive center like a lot of fans are hoping for. Great. So what I'm hearing from you, John, is free agency is going to be boring. Like they're not (laughs) going to get a big name guy right away. We're probably going to be waiting around for a week and a half before they even make a deal about uh, any player. And then we're going to yawn collectively at the some of the names that we hear. Well, I don't know if it'll be a yawn to be more of a who. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's I I feel like it's going to be that. The, the same free agency story that we have every year where it's like, ah, let's go get the pro bowler. There's all pros on the line. Conklin's out there. You know, let's let's get him. And then it, it, oh, we got, you know, we got Ogbwehi, we got uh, Warmack, we got Shell, we got Finney, but we got no pro bowls. So I'm not into it. I, I want big <laughs> names, John. I want excitement. I'm uh, sorry. I don't know what to tell you on that one. <laughs> well, we had one uh, deal so far, and, and maybe uh, some people would qualify it as exciting. But Alex Collins re-signed to the Seahawks. So with Chris Carson going into free agency, at least we we know somebody's going to be back next year. Yep, and Alex Collins, and I would love to see them bring uh, Bo Scarborough back. You know, I think oh, I yeah. was I was disappointed when he was let go a couple years ago. He's not a world breaker, but, you know, it's just it's a position where you're going to you need bodies and you need competition. So, you know, bring him in and let him go at it. I mean, Scarborough's still only 25 years old, so it's not like he's, you know, over the hill or anything like that, even though he's bounced around for a couple of years. I mean, you've got some of the younger guys, DJ Dallas, Travis Howard on uh, Travis Homer, excuse me, on the roster. And then, you know, I, I won't be surprised at all if they add some UDFAs or, you know, you know, even though they've only got a handful of picks, I won't be surprised at all if they do use one of those on a running back. Out of all the guys who are free agents, as we kind of get closer to the start of the league year, the the guys for the Seahawks, who, who's the most likely to remain a Seahawk? The one I feel 
is most likely. Well, there are a couple, I think, and I, they're not necessarily the names that fans may like. But it's I do think just because he'll be coming off injury and just because they can get him, that, that likely makes his price tag inexpensive. I think Bruce Irvin, oh, sure. um, you know, with the emergence of Jordan Brooks during the second half of last year, I think they would feel comfortable with Irvin in a part-time linebacker role, not expecting him to be an every down backer like he was, you know, like they, like he was at the beginning of the season last year. And then they could let him ease back in, in just a situational pass rushing role. Mm. And, and that's a name that I could see him come back as just, you know, is on a very inexpensive deal. Same thing with Philip Dorsett. I could see him come back on another league minimum deal. Just kind of say, Hey, look, we didn't make it on the field last year, but let's run this back. Right. Um, and outside of that, you know, I, if KJ really wants a market rate deal and wants to get paid his worth, I don't think we see him come back. Quentin Dunbar. Um, no, thanks. Yeah. I was in, this is probably the last, you know, if he's probably got one chance to maybe hit a, you know, obviously he's not going to coming off injury. He's not going to hit a big free agent deal, but he's got, you know, one chance to hit a free agent deal before he hits 30. So it's, this is kind of do or die. And then, I mean, you know, they obviously love Luke Wilson just because of the energy he brings, how much fun he is. So I would not be surprised at all to see him come back. Um, but I think that would just be one of those things where they'd sign him, bring him in uh, just because of the, you know, because of what he obviously he brings things to the field or to the team on the field. But he's also, um, you know, it's it's a position where right now you're looking at Will Discley, Colby Parkinson, and that's it. You know, that, that's the end of the story. And they need. Yeah, you need to add, I think, a veteran and then maybe we'll see what they have for for draft picks when that time rolls around, if if they might be using that there. In terms of Bruce Irvin, that feels to me it, that it would be the fallback plan if KJ Wright were to decide to take big money elsewhere. And I don't I don't put them in the same boat. I guess my no. brain just categorizes them just because it, it, they I see Irvin as the pass rusher that they need, might need, you know, even if it's just situationally to kind of bridge the gap between, um, you know, the guys they've got and um, providing depth in case, you know, something happens and for whatever reason, Taylor doesn't make the field this year or, you know, Rasheem Green has another neck injury or whatever it is. Yeah, and I guess I was just because going into last season, KJ wasn't really thought of as the strong side linebacker type guy. That's where they had Bruce Irvin pegged. Uh, and, yeah. and maybe they could use him more in a pass rusher role too. And that because I was kind of surprised when they talked about him as a strong side linebacker. I, I saw him more as coming to the team as a defensive end and yeah, rushing the passer. I think the plan was to have him as a, you know, Sam on the early downs and let him rush the passers on, you know, on pass rushing downs. Sure. And then we got a game and a half out of him, unfortunately, you know, not that he did anything wrong. It's just, you know, sometimes knees give out. Trust me. I know I'm coming off knee surgery. So <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Well, John, anything else that you want to hit on here before we get on out of here? Oh, I think that's good. You know, I think I'm just excited for to have some actual real news, hopefully, you know, in the coming <laughs> days, <laughs> as, as opposed to, um, you know, well, Russ is unhappy and Pete is unhappy that Russ is unhappy and talking to the media and, you know, all that, you know, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think there's enough smoke there. that There's there's some kind of disagreement between the two sides, but yeah, you and know, I think I, that was one of the thing that one of the things that really jumped out at me from the athletic article. But then, you know, obviously, when you had the the quote, uh, Adam Schefter quoting his agent, and we don't know exactly 
you know, how it was said. But in the tweet, it was phrased that he's not that Russell Wilson wasn't looking for a trade. But if he were to be traded, uh, it would be those four teams. So, it, you know, when I see it in a tweet like that and I always try and figure out how the conversation went to be able to put those things together. And so ultimately, it's not the agent's words that are coming out exactly, but how the uh, but how Schefter is characterizing it in, in the confines of one single tweet. And that's what we're all reacting to. So it's it's been interesting. I But I guess maybe I'll take this over uh, the Quentin Dunbar drama that we had uh, back in May <laughs> last year. No, absolutely. <laughs> He's John P. Gilbert. Follow him at John P. Gilbert NFL. Follow his work at fieldgoals.com. John, you got anything coming up this week that people should check out? Oh, you know, it's, it's just we're getting ready to head into free agency. So a lot of it's just going to be news and prepping and, you know, making sure my numbers are right so that we can be ready when the no- news drops in the next couple of weeks. Follow along with it all up at fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. And you can bet that I will be here catching any of the breaking news and reacting to it as that uh, it's going to be. Well, we'll see. It, it may be a busy couple of weeks. It may not be. We're here regardless. And until next time, go Hawks.